The Heavy Duty Parts Report is brought to you by Find It Parts, your ultimate destination for heavy duty truck and trailer parts. Discover a vast range of parts at finditparts.com. Ready to purchase the parts discussed in today's episode? Head over to finditparts.com and get them right away. You're listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and this is the show where you get expert advice about the heavy duty parts you buy and sell and keep you informed about what's happening in the industry. Welcome to episode 93. In this episode, we are going to replay a live interview that I did a few weeks ago, and we're going to discuss a subject that I think is very relevant and important for us all to really give thought to. And that is overcoming the shortage of diesel technicians. We interview someone who is a head of a company who is very disruptive and really doing their part to not only overcome this problem, but to change people's lives. I think you're going to really enjoy this week's conversation. So let's get to it. Now, what are we going to talk about today? Well, today I want to talk about the real problem when it comes to diesel technicians, and that is there's not enough of them. So, how are we as an industry going to overcome? the shortage of diesel technicians. When I was working as a sales account manager and I was traveling, talking to independent repair shops, talking to fleets that handled their own maintenance, one of the things they said was diesel technicians and repair technicians that worked at, let's say, truck dealerships had a lot of resources, but the independents, not as much. And so it was difficult for them to be able to continue to compete, especially as there's added complexity to technology and trucks and trailers moving forward. So there's a bunch of issues at play here, and I really wanted to get to the bottom of how big of a problem is it? How big of a shortage are we up against? What can be done to solve this? And how do we empower the independent side of our industry? And to do all of that, I would like to bring into our conversation our guest today. Aaron Picozzi is the president of American Diesel Training Center. Aaron, welcome to our live broadcast. Thank you, Jamie. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Um, obviously, would much rather be seeing you in person, but I don't know if that's happening anytime soon. Well, we'll get back there at some point, but in the meantime, this will have to do. So, um, Aaron, how big of a problem is the diesel technician shortage in the heavy-duty truck industry? It's massive, um, and I don't know of really any shop that isn't feeling the squeeze of this uh, currently. A lot of folks, they come to us and they say, I need 10, 15, 20, 100 technicians, depending on size. But there are very few that don't need any. Um, and this isn't just kind of anecdotal guessing here. If you look, I look today on Indeed right now, which we believe is probably a third of the market space, uh, really showing what the demand is. Currently, there are 25,841 diesel technician jobs posted on Indeed. And, and companies that's a, are posted a third. I, we believe so, because what we do is when we talk to companies, we always ask what they're doing and what they're looking at. And what they'll say is, yeah, we have five openings. We'll post one ad and take many offers, right? So just a shot in the dark, we think that's around one third of, of what is really showing up in the market space. Wow. So a massive, massive shortage. So so when people say there's a shortage, it, it exists and there's a there's an uphill battle. I was kind of curious, what's the driving force behind this problem? I mean, those of us who work in the industry, we know this is an amazing industry to be a part of. Is it just a demographics issue? Is it just the baby boomers exiting and there's not enough people to replace them? Or is, is there more you know, behind the scenes? Yeah, there, there's, it's, it's multi-pronged, but you hit on one, a, a huge part is that it's an aging workforce. Um, folks are getting out of this industry faster than they're coming in. And, and if you can look around 
And all of the local community colleges, a lot of the for-profit schools, they look at the what we call the sexy stuff, right? So robotics, computer coding, all of these things that people believe are the right direction to go into. And not everybody wakes up and says, today, I want to be a diesel mechanic. But when you find these people that are in the high effort, low skill, low wage sectors, and you present them with the opportunity to come into this industry where they can have a great career and make a ton of money, they're happy to do so. But it's hard to get in because there are so many barriers to entry. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense to me. So just looking at our comments here, ah, we got Alex Parker. Thanks, Alex, for commenting. She says it's an important and timely topic. Thanks for addressing this. Great insights about Indeed data numbers. So Alex was a past guest on the show. Thank you so much for commenting. Um, When it comes to that whole issue of talking to, you know, the young generation, like I've often tried to put myself in the position of, of a parent now that I am a parent. And it's like your kid comes along and says, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be an entrepreneur in the, uh, you know, the, the tech space. These are the, the things that we wish our kids will come and say to us, right? We're so, uh, you know, happy when <laughs> this, these are the things they want to do with, the, with themselves for their careers. And, and I think for a long time, if you haven't had exposure to our industry and don't fully understand just how great of an industry it is, someone comes along and says, I want to work in the trucking industry. I can see how if you didn't have exposure, you wouldn't necessarily think, Yay, I'm so happy my kid's going to go down that road. Yeah, I, you're absolutely right. And what it takes is it takes everybody's involvement within industry to really explain the totality of the industry, right? Mm-hmm. So say you start off as a technician. Fantastic. You're going to learn the nuts and bolts uh, of how everything works. And then you can continue either on to become a master technician or you can move on to a number of different roles within the transportation industry. And all it takes is looking outside and seeing the Amazon truck show up at, you know, three times a day at my house, it seems. But everything <laughs> is moved on wheels in this country. That's the way it works. And it's only getting uh, more prevalent. So it's a great entry into the industry. Yeah. Matthew Leffler, huge fan of ADTCs and the Heavy Duty Parts Report. Matthew, thanks so much for uh, tuning in and commenting. Appreciate that. Really, when when you look at the advancement of the industry, though, one of the things that I try to encourage young people to consider when they consider our industry is how rapidly we are adopting technology. And so, you know, this isn't, uh, you know, what we would kind of traditionally say, like a like a break shop. Right. Uh, this this is not the experience of diesel techs anymore. I mean, if they don't have a laptop in their hand, if they don't have a diagnostic tool in their hand, like they're not doing their job. Right. So the industry has made huge leaps forward in technology. And so there's probably even less competition in our industry. Why wouldn't we want to encourage people to, to come towards our industry? Yeah, it's a great question, right? So I think that everybody wants to encourage and, and they, they have the right intentions. But if you said, you know, using conventional methods, today I want to become a diesel mechanic, where do you go? How does it start? You have to wait for, hopefully there's a school in your backyard that you can go in there. You have to sign up. You have to commit $45,000 in 18 months of your life to graduate with a degree from one of these conventional, either for-profit education centers, or maybe your local community college where you still have to take English 101 or whatever. 
And then you just get an opportunity to start in the industry. And that's before the tool guy gets you. And next thing you know, you're in debt for another $25,000. It's it's an insurmountable kind of uh, request of time and money. So using different methods, which we believe uh, are working well, we can get folks trained up quickly and into the shop where they're turning wrenches and learning by removing those barriers, which are time and cost. Yeah, yeah. You know, in Canada, it's a little bit of a different system. They have a four-year apprentice program. Uh, you work in a shop, you get sponsored, you you go off to school for a few weeks each year. Uh, that allows you to move to the next level, the next level. So it's a big commitment. It's a it's four years to get that ticket. And then, like you said, then you got to go get all the tools. And um, I've even heard people discourage their kids from, like, even if their son or daughter wants to be in the trades, I've heard parents say, no, no, don't don't go into repair, either automotive or heavy duty. The tools alone is such a burden. You know, go be an electrician or, or a plumber that the tools cost less. Like I've even heard that mentality. So definitely from the student aspect, I, I see where we're, we're really competing. We're in a fight as an industry against all the other industries to attract the right people. But it's not just kids coming out of, out of uh, high school. Uh, that are looking at secondary education opportunities that we want to attract, right? There's there's opportunities there for other people that we should be looking to try to get to join our industry. Absolutely. And so to touch on the, the tool comment, you're absolutely right. And, and a part of it is just uh, a little bit of an archaic view that some employers have, right? So if I went to school for accounting and I showed up on my first day, I don't have to buy my own desk and my calculator and everything. It doesn't work that way, but we expect technicians to do that with their tools. So there needs to be a little bit give and take. And I'm not talking about a $75,000 snap on set on day one, but let's get folks started here and try to eliminate some of those barriers. That's number one that I think companies can really help with to get them started with those hand tools, basic tools. And then when you talk about the kind of age range of getting folks into the industry, I think a lot of people are surprised when they hear our data that our average student age is 27.6 years old, I believe. So it's someone with a little more life experience that thought it was really cool to work at some sort of tech uh, office, but they realize they're running around a warehouse and their tennis shoes and they can't take bathroom breaks. Um, And they're willing to work hard in an industry, but now they're working on an industry that is going to provide them with a high quality of life. Yeah, yeah. And and certainly, I know I've always appreciated that working in this industry. My my quality of life, you know, would not have been where it was at if it wasn't for working in heavy duty. So that's excellent. I'd like to talk a little bit about what it costs a company, you know, for a fleet or a repair shop. If they don't fill those positions, what kinds of costs or economic impact does this shortage have on the business itself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of people don't even realize, I don't think, how much they're losing by having those vacancies. And so there, there's two studies that we often look to, one conducted by Iowa State folks around diesel technicians, another one done by the Association of Equipment Dealers. And both of them say that for every open position that you have for a technician, you're losing about $1,500 a day right out the back door, right? So there are a lot of companies out there, and I've had these conversations with them, where they have 100, 150 openings across all of their centers. That number becomes very real because that's a daily loss. And I'll tell these folks that we can help solve the problem um, if, if they let us get in there and they're willing to kind of work with us and, and grow from the ground up. Yeah, at 1500 bucks a day per position open, it doesn't take long to pay for some tools and get some in there, right? Like, just, just add that up. And it's like, uh, it's a good investment to get, get these people started. So I, one thing I'm, I'm curious about, um, 
can we solve the problem? Like, is the demand so high that it's going to be impossible for us to fill it? Or, or is it reasonable that we can solve this issue? As an industry, I think it's necessary, right? And I don't think anyone would deny that. And so really what it comes down to is when you're working with companies, they need to understand the impact of what is going on here. And they need to understand that it is a give and take, right? So individual companies can solve this problem immediately on day one. The industry as a whole is going to take a little bit more to get there. And what we need is, like I mentioned earlier, removing those barriers of financial costs and uh, a cost of their time. People don't have the ability to do that and enter into this field with all of that debt and time spent. Okay. Okay. So that makes sense to me. So I'm just going to check the comment bar here. We got another comment come in. Jose, welcome back to the show, my friend. He says, moving into the electric vehicle technology and commercial vehicles, would this be a bigger challenge to tackle within the industry? When it comes to technology, we always say bring it on, right? We we like that because everything that moves still has tires, still has brakes, a little different and, and all of those things, right? These vehicles are going to be moving more often, more frequently, and are going to require more maintenance. So we're happy to see that from a technician standpoint. And I'm sure just as uh, folks were very concerned when, when the horse and buggy was out and the car came in, we adapt and we move forward. We know we can do this um, and we've done it before. So really what we see too from a technician standpoint is the vast majority of work that's completed is fairly basic. It's it's the wheels, tires, brakes, a good PM is something you're going to be doing every day. You're not always really diving in. That comes with experience and you're going to build as you work on that machinery. I just wanted to take a brief moment to let you know that I've been working with forward-thinking, heavy-duty companies as a business consultant, creating great content, helping sales use digital tools more effectively, and developing business growth strategies are the most common projects that I'm involved in. If you would like to work with me, go to heavydutypartsreport.com slash consultant. That's heavydutypartsreport.com slash consultant to learn more. I also work as a brand ambassador for great brands like Diesel Parts. Diesel Parts is a aftermarket parts cross-reference and lookup tool that makes it easier to identify parts than ever before. Go to parts.diesellaptops.com to create your free account. That's parts.diesellaptops.com. All right, let's get back to the interview. So I kind of have a question there then. Autonomous vehicles are probably going to affect drivers faster than technicians. Like, I think we're farther away from like full on robots doing all the repair autonomously than we are from losing some of the driver jobs to autonomous vehicles. Is that a fair assessment? We believe so. Um, and, and when it comes to being a technician, I was a technician on ships. That's, that's how I kind of cut my teeth in this industry. Working on that, you can't really surge experience. The way that an experienced technician approaches a problem, not only just from a kind of breakdown, a mental breakdown of, of how they're going to address it, but the way that you move your hands, the way that you handle a wrench, all of those things are nuanced and not every problem is so cookie cutter. It's going to take some advanced thought. I think that we're going to have, and we see it already in forms of diagnostic tools, just a huge kind of uh, assistance from technology, but I don't think we're there for replacement anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the questions are coming fast and furious. I'm just going to switch screens here. So Matthew Mosley, another issue is teaching these young techs how to diagnose rather than just being parts changers. Oh boy, Matthew. <laughs> I think that is an issue that we definitely have to address. Um, how do you address that in your training program? It's a great question, right? So parts changing is something that that everybody talks about, but then when they get on the shop floor, they want everything done quickly, right? So 
it's an understanding of the service manager and the folks in leadership to understand what we're really looking for. What we do and the way that we try to explain this is, is to identify a problem and break it down into smaller pieces so you can identify what the root cause of that problem is. And that's just the way that we believe you should address those things. So understanding very good foundational engineering principles is key to get out of that part changer mentality of trying to do it as fast as possible just so you can book the hours and becoming a real technician and have good kind of thought-based uh, breakdowns of, of what's happening. Yeah, it, it's a little bit different, but it reminds me of when I was learning to be a parts technician and my mentor, he was teaching me and he said, look, I can tell you the answer or I can teach you how to find the answer. What would you rather, right? We want to teach you how to find the answer because then you can work independently of me and you can advance. And I think it's the same principle with with technicians. Absolutely. And and that's what we really like that we're so focused on that entry level technician is we've got that ball of clay. So let's work with it. Let's understand how we can get them through that kind of thought logic tree to get to the right answer. And when you really start with that foundation, it definitely helps moving forward. My next question then really is, how does your program work? Walk people through who may not be familiar with, uh, with your, your organization. Definitely. So we're, we're pretty unique. And, and what we've done, and it makes sense to us, and it's been working, we've been doing this and we've been doing this since 2017. We've put hundreds and hundreds of technicians out in the industry working at your small mom and pops, to your biggest dealer groups, to everything you can think of, we have somebody working there essentially at this point. And so what we do, it's really um, a, a multi-pronged approach. We, we find, we vet, we train, and we place technicians. That's the simplest way to do it. And the finding and vetting part is really important. And we don't just sit out there on a job board and, and hope that people come to us. We target. We target both geographically and based on the criteria that we've built up, kind of that's our secret, secret sauce over the years to find out who will be a good technician. And we do it through unconventional means. So when we identify these folks and we bring it to the table, our team knows what to look for in finding a successful technician. We break that down. If they're ready to go, they come on through our program. And when they come in, it's not a regular school. We're going to sit behind a desk. This is an 80 to 85 percent hands-on program. It's fast and furious. It's focusing on the basics, as I mentioned. And we're not diving into this stuff. We're not teaching them how to do a transmission rebuild because the new guy or gal, they're not doing that anyway. It's a waste of their time. So we focus on those entry-level tasks and we get them trained up in five weeks. From there, during that time, we're helping them with job placement. They're finding where to work. And this is where it gets really fun because we have companies come to us and say, I need so-and-so in wherever, in, in somewhere in Minnesota. Um, we go, okay, yeah, we can, we can help you with that. This guy or gal just came from there. Let's, let's send them your way. And we open the door to our technicians uh, to find really great employment. From there, they hit the ground running. They leave our program with a tool set with very, very little uh, in terms of overhead of what they, they owe. Um, and they, they get to work. And that's the bread and butter of what we do. Right. And, you know, before we went on live, you were mentioning how excited you were to look at some of the data around living wage and, and the impact this has on people's lives. Could you share a little bit with us on that? This, I'd love to hear those statistics. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, right? So we've partnered with um, an impact investor to fund our program through what's called an income share agreement. An income share agreement, think of it as a better way to do a student loan. We personally and professionally do not like the student loan industry. And so working with a nonprofit to really help bring these folks up and give them kind of an enablement to employment has been so, so important. So what happens there, we get folks that come in, they don't have to pay a dime for the program. They only owe on the program when they start making money. 
which is really nice. And their payment is set based on their income. They make a little bit more, they pay a little bit more. They know exactly what they're going to pay before they even come through the program. But it's really built in a really nice safeguard too. If those individuals end up losing their job, which is on the forefront of most everybody's memory with COVID, um, their payments just go away. It's a, mm-hmm. the greatest deal in the world. And we love that. And with this impact investor, they've been really focused on data. So we have fantastic data of pre-program employment uh, and post-program employment. And what we've seen is an increase, an average increase in annual salary of $11,500 over just a a quick snapshot um, of our students getting jobs within two months of the program. So it's incredible. These people are seeing historically like a like a 30 to 50 percent annual increase in their wages on an entry level job. And as we know, in this industry, folks are getting new jobs, they're getting promotions, they're getting bonuses and shift differentials as they go. And that is just a snapshot from the entry level job. So we we love seeing that. And, and this is changing people's lives. So you take your, your average age of 27 years old, you give them an injection of $11,000 a year. This is literally life changing for, for that individual and their future family if they don't have one already started. Uh, that, that compound effect of, first of all, getting that bump up in salary, then their ability to grow and expand their, their earning capabilities over their lifetime. This is literally changing lives. And I, I just think that's amazing. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's so much fun to get those text messages or emails or seeing an update where somebody's taking their family to Disney. They can do whatever they want because we've enabled them to have this kind of impact on, on their finances. And doing so without giving up two and a half years or 18 months to sit in a classroom to get a certificate um, is really, really nice. And also to do it with a very, very low cost in the back end through our impact bond investment. It, it's a no brainer. And how do they, once they're in the industry, uh, what's the steps that they need to take to be able to specialize or to be able to expand their training and and capabilities? Great question, right? So it really depends where they land. And that's what we know. So shops offer OEM uh, training and all sorts of things. But really what we we found is that they need to focus on that experience, right? So if we give them the good work ethic and drive, um, they're going to grow into that industry and then take advantage of everything they have. We tell folks that we're involved with them for life, whether they like it or not. If if they leave their job and, they, and they're looking somewhere else, we want them to call us and say, hey, we can help connect you with a great opportunity here or a great opportunity there or give them some direction and what kind of training they would need. So, yeah, it's just that constant motivation and drive forward is, is really what they need for success. And And really, when I talk to people in the industry, regardless of what side of the border they're on, Canada or the U.S., one of the consistent things I hear is a complaint that the the people coming out of the traditional education programs they're just not there they just don't they don't have the skills to really start the job on day 1 i hear that complaint all the time so it sounds to me like your program will get people into the industry faster which gives them a chance to ramp up on experience faster and that solves the problem for everyone in a more efficient way yeah, absolutely. And, and part of that is about balancing expectations. So when companies come to me and they say, you know, I have all these openings, I want um, experienced technicians, you know, five to seven years experience, full tool set, and I want them to come and they're going to make $17 an hour. Well, that doesn't exist and that doesn't happen. And everybody wants that. And it just, it's unrealistic. So they and, need to- and, we, and we all want unicorns pooping rainbows too. Of so <laughs> <laughs> we need to solve this, not an issue at all. 
So what we tell people is we're going to get you an entry-level technician. They're going to know how to do the basics, which is the majority of what you're seeing every day in the shop. But there's going to be a little bit of coaching. And with that, you're going to get them quickly. They're going to have a great attitude and they know what they're coming into. We tell folks, you know, that we essentially decruit rather than recruit. And we tell folks, you know, you're going to be changing tires, doing brakes for a while. You're going to be doing that. But that opportunity is there and you're going to have a great pipeline into this industry to grow. And we have guys and gals that come out of our program and they're hitting the ground making 29 bucks an hour. I mean, great money from an entry level kind of position. And, and they're they're just taking off. So, yeah, we don't we don't believe that. You know, experienced techs are going to walk in off the street into people's shops and solve all their problems. But we do know that we can find people who have great attitudes, strong aptitude, and a willingness to keep working hard. They'll show up to your shop and work every day. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, thank you so much for kind of sharing your how you've been disrupting the educational side of this, how you've been helping people and change their lives. I think that's really fantastic, and it. It really shows me that that there is kind of a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel and with the right approach. And obviously, too, you guys are continuing to scale how many people's lives you're able to change. And, and that's awesome. So thank you so much for your contribution to our industry. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Love, uh, love being here. Always happy to chat. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and I just like to remind everyone to focus on cost per mile and... <laughs> Let's keep those trucks and trailers rolling. HCA Truck Pride is the heart of the Independent Parts and Service Channel. They have 750 parts stores and 450 service centers conveniently located across the U.S. and Canada. Visit heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride today to find a location near you. Again, that's heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride and let the heart of the independent service channel take care of your commercial equipment.